the bottom line. On News Radio 610, KONA, from the Tri Cities to Olivia to DC, we break down, break it all down the stories of the day and the people making the news. And that's the bottom line. Time to get the bottom line. Presented by Summit Funding in Kennewick and Prosser. With your hosts, Rob Francis and Ed Dawson. Welcome into the bottom line. News Radio 610 KONA. Happy Monday afternoon, 547-1610. If you would like to get involved, you can reach us via email, 610KONA.com, the bottom line page. Your name, where you're listening, what you'd like to say. We're on Twitter, bottom line 610, parlor at the bottom line 610. And you can get us via the free mobile app downloadable from the Apple Store and also Google Play. Robin Ed with you, and you enjoy your time off? Oh, yeah, I was never enough. You, well, know, you know how it is. Never enough unless you hit Powerball and become independently wealthy overnight. Well, I'm still holding out hope. Still working on it. <laughs> um, interesting story. While you were gone that broke over the weekend, um, many have been watching as to when and how different elements of sport are going to be able to make it back. Yeah. Um, you know, the NBA has taken it into a bubble. They've had a couple of tests, made it into, you know, taking everybody in one location. The NHL has broken it into three. They just recently announced uh, over 1,700 tests, I think, and nobody tested positive. Major League Baseball's probably been the loosest of all of them, uh, where they've played in, they've, they've geographically narrowed it, but they played in home ballparks, and players haven't had that much restrictions, and they've had a significant number of upticks in cases in baseball to the point that some wonder if it's going to threaten the season. And then there's the sports that haven't gotten underway yet, that being the NFL, which, by the way, uh, for those wondering, the Seahawks are supposed to report to camp on August 14th. Yes. Um so we'll see how that winds up playing out as far as the NFL is concerned. They've already canceled the preseason. And then there's college. And college is, is maybe a bit more difficult to navigate, only because there are slightly north of 120 college football programs, uh, different conferences throughout the country. Now, most conferences have decided that they are not going to play uh, an out-of-conference schedule. In fact, I think they've all now come to that decision. There will not be any out-of-conference games, so the schedule is going to be pared down to about 10. Um, With the idea of kind of being regionalized? Yes, geographically closer, so there's not as much travel, not as much chance of exposure, so most of the conference is going to play within the conference. Um, but over the weekend, uh, the Pac-12 garnered some of those headlines. As some players have created a movement yes with the the word that we keep seeing a lot over the last month or so demands and it's interesting to note that this is being backed by a guy by the name of Ramoji Huma and I don't know if that name is familiar to you no but he was a former UCLA player okay he also is the president of the National College Players Association. He was involved with uh, Ed O'Bannon okay. when he brought his case, but he's also been involved in some other more social-oriented movements. 
to try and change some things at the college level. Um, he backed a mini uprising at UCLA in, earlier this summer uh, where players there threatened not to play if some health and safety protocols weren't met. Uh, once the letter to the school was leaked in the L.A. Times, the school responded proactively, and that came that didn't come to be. Um, but there are some other things that he has been involved with over the last few years trying to to do some things um, at the college level. Now, this list includes safety and health demands for the season. Mm-hmm. Um, like, for example, if a player has an underlying health issue, which one certainly in Pullman, that was Cassidy Woods, who had went to the coaching staff and said, look, I have underlying health issues. I don't want to play. They're like, okay. Yeah. Um, but then there's the third element of it, which is the social justice element, mm. where some of these demands are being laid out and players are saying, we're not going to play unless these changes are made. Well, um, <clears throat> there are some things that universities can do and some things universities can't do. And one of the things a university can't do is an entire impact on the whole thing. They can't do that. Mm. They're part of the NCAA. True. They are not it in and of themselves. However, with college athletes, and that's why I think this is so eyebrow-raising with the Pac-12 aspect, is that these are student athletes. And there are still things being decided and negotiated to whether or not they will be entitled to additional elements of compensation other than the O'Bannon case where they won for their likeness and so on and so forth. But these are athletes whose futures, for many of them, could be professional career. Others, that does not exist. Mm -hmm. So others will play. Uh, they will have their moments on their particular field, court, so on and so forth. And then they will move into another element of life that will not be as a professional athlete. But those that are professional athletes or could have the potential to be a professional athlete, like, for example, Dallas Hobbs, who is a defensive lineman for the Cougars. Right. You run the risk of jeopardizing that by deciding not to play for a particular reason. Yeah. You know, we alluded to that uh, last week or the week before when we talked to um, Mike Neidholt, the head coach of the Richland Bombers, right. about kids getting recruited and all this time off and how much of an impact does it have and so on and so forth. Well, it has a larger impact at the college level. You take a year off. We've seen what happens with guys that have taken a year off, or we've seen what's happened with guys that that have tried to um, negotiate leverage moves and go into the professional ranks. Mike Williams from USC, mm-hmm. Maurice Claret, uh, just to name two that their gamble didn't really pay off. I mean, you know, Claret had a cup of coffee in the NFL. Williams had a couple years, but never did quite achieve what most people thought he had the potential to do if he would have stayed another year of college. Um, but this is a whole different angle. This is this is this is 
trying to um, this is trying to force through the conference changes that are uh, along the line of what you're seeing with many of these other organizations demanding social justice. And I don't know how well it's going to go. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's it's certainly it's certainly in the realm or in the discussion when we're talking about health and safety of players, uh, you know, when this situation is not over yet to be talking about health and safety issues around playing with a pandemic. You know, those players that are opting out um, for health and safety reasons. Okay. And, you know, some people are going to bash them, but, uh, you know, they, it's, it's their choice. It's their bodies. It's their, you know, their decision. But I think you really kind of cross the line into a whole different realm when you start demanding social justice, uh, situations, because then, then it looks like you're just taking advantage of the situation. Um, it's, but it's, but frankly, that's what's going on in society right now. They're reflecting what's going on in society. And even though there doesn't seem to be any realistic link between the COVID-19 pandemic and the rise of social justice uh, demands, in, in many places, they are, tr- you know, people are treating it the same. And you're seeing this at the college level. We're going to take a timeout. 547-1610, 509-547-1610. We'll break some more of this down because, um, again, timing is everything. And some of these things, you wonder why they weren't brought up before now. 547-1610, this is the bottom line. News Radio 610 KONA. Give us your bottom line. Call 509-547-1610. Now, back to the show. Presented by Summit Funding in Kennewick and Prosser. Back at the bottom line, News Radio 610-KONA. 547-1610 is the number. If you'd like to get involved, you can also reach us via email. 610KONA.com, bottom line page, name where you are listening. And... We're talking about the Pac-12 and the the news over the weekend that a group of athletes have put together a list of demands for the conference that will determine whether or not they play. And it's interesting because some of these make sense. Some of these are things you've seen mirrored in other areas. Like, for example, the players are very concerned with the risk COVID-19 poses to our personal health and the health of our families and communities. There's not enough transparency about health risks, no uniformity to ensure we're all safe when we play each other, no adequate enforcement structures. Uh, We believe a football season under these conditions would be reckless and put us at a needless risk. Um, With so much uncertainty around COVID, we can't wait until it strikes the world of college football. We must act now to ensure we're, we're safely playing the game we all love, and that's why we are united. Then there's the other parts. If we're treated like employees, then we should be compensated as such. Well, are you an employee or are you a attendee? In other words, 
you could make the argument that a college application and everything else that goes through it is similar to applying for a job. You can mm-hmm. make that argument that the interview process you go with with the recruiting staff and coaches is auditioning for a spot. You can make that argument. But at the same time, you're also told what you will get if you commit. Mm-hmm. So you will get this. You will get this. This will be provided to you. So you are you are making that contract. Yes. So you're you're this this is already a predetermined agreement if you choose to attend this school. This contract is laid out. So in a way what you're doing is you're asking to alter the contract. Here's the funny thing and none of the athletes that I've seen have talked about the education angle where not yet not yet. So the argument look let's let's go back in time a little bit the argument has been and it's it's a valid argument and and there's pros and cons to both sides that if universities and conferences and the NCAA are all making money off of athletes that perform you know should should those athletes be properly compensated and for a long time, that compensation came in the form of a, in essence, a free education. Mm-hmm. If you were if you were gifted enough athlete, you'd be given a, a full scholarship to attend the university and come out with a degree and get to play the sport that you love. Okay, and and that worked for a long time. I think I think that was a pretty equitable situation, but as TV revenue started going up and and bowl games became, you know, multi-million dollar ventures. You know, the the players started looking around going, "Hey, why why aren't we getting a cut of this?" So, is it is it okay to re-examine things? Yeah, I think it is. I I I may come to the conclusion, you know, the same one as before that the the cost of a free education is your compensation and you know free room and board and and all that if you if you take that dollar amount whatever that is for the for the given university for four years or five or whatever then that is the compensation and yeah there's inherent risks to injury and and things like that you know COVID aside okay so that becomes that becomes the argument now, could it now be argued that athletes need to get a little bit more because schools and universities and conferences have been getting more? Let me toss this out there. When a, an agreement is reached between uh, a, a, a university team, football, basketball, what have you, and an, uh, a high school athlete, you come play for us, you will get... A, B, C, and D. We get A, B, C, and D. Once that's all laid out, what if it's a choice? You either get tuition, room and board, or you get compensated with money. But you've got to pay for school and everything in there, and you have to be enrolled and attending classes to to be on this team. 
see, I can see where you where where there's a where you can divide this pie up a little bit. For example, as you mentioned at the beginning of all this, it was pretty cut and clear. As things grew, and and not even so much the television revenue, but I look more at the the video games and jersey sales and things like that, that if you're going to sell something that is the likeness of the player and you're going to make money off of that, okay, I can see the argument that maybe the player gets a piece of that because you're featuring them in something that is beyond what the regular education deal is. You're going off campus for Mm -hmm. this. So could you make an argument that when the likenesses, the video games, all that kind of stuff, yeah, I think you can make a fair argument. Mm -hmm. But here's where it comes down to, to where it gets even more interesting. They attached an accompanying study setting the fair market value of a single player for a season broken down by conference. And this is a little bit inflated, to say the least. You're up on the bottom line, News Radio 610 K. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Doug from Kennewick. So I've been listening today, and my concern is where does it stop? If we allow collegiate sports to actually say, I, I deserve this amount of compensation for what I do for the school, how about high school? Uh, Pop Warner, right? And where I actually think it needs to go is maybe athletes, the whole athletic program needs to leave the academia world. And there's another recruiting system outside of the school that we just let let them become whoever they're going to be. Because if we're doing this in college, they're really in the pro being professionals now. There's no uh, amateur league anymore, development league or whatever, right? So just that thought to throw in there and interject. Appreciate the no, call. Thank absolutely. you very much. Let's, uh, well, that's the other call I didn't want to hold. 547-1610 is the number. We're coming up on our bottom of the hour break, and I, I, I hear what the caller is saying, um, I, but I would counter that with without the players, you don't have the sports, and that there are certain programs and even conferences that are higher on the food chain, and that are, I mean, the SEC, many of those teams, many of them in the you know, Big 12, the Pac-12, are run like a professional organization right now, and some are not. <laughs> they are. I think with the high school angle, though, number one, education up through K-12 is mandatory. College is a choice. Yeah. Uh, also, the amount of revenue at high school athletics is not nearly what it is at the college level. Uh, you don't have those other additional perks like shoe deals or video games or any other stuff like that to where the you know the the, the mid Columbia Conference is raking in money hand over fist. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, if they make a couple playoff games, then that might be a couple extra bucks. But a lot of times, you see more cost layout with high school athletics than you do any kind of a revenue. And schools don't get a bonus for reaching the championship game, exactly. for example, or winning a championship so game. I don't think you're going to see that trickle down at the high school level. I mean, college is always an option. It's always a choice. It's not mandatory. And it does work both ways in the argument. It's a choice you know that you make as the athlete or the choice that you make as a student to continue to further your education. But... When we come back, we'll reveal these numbers that they laid out to what they think that a single player is worth for a season at the college football level. And remember, they got bigger rosters. 
Join the show. Call the LegendsCasino.com hotline, 509-547-1610. Back to the bottom line with Robin Ed, presented by Summit Funding in Kennewick and Prosser on News Radio 610 KONA. Back at the bottom line, News Radio 610 KONA. It's Monday afternoon. Check out Perfection Tire with four locations in the Tri-Cities to serve you. If you're planning on taking a trip, make sure everything along with your tires is in good shape for the trip. And, yeah, they do more than just tires. They check out your brakes, your tires, your belts, your hoses, batteries, shocks, and more. Call one of the local Perfection Tires today, four in the Tri-Cities to choose from, or visit their website, perfectiontire.com. Five four seven one six ten. if you would like to get involved in the program. So here's where the eyebrow raises in this discussion and these demands by Pac-12 players. And, and it's they set out this study that they claim sets the fair market value of a single player for one season broken down by conference. And this is all around football, okay? Okay. It's all around football. So one player. One player. One football player for one season. One football player, one season, broken down by conference. Now, you know, they have about anywhere between 70, some even 90 players on the roster. Yeah. They don't have a real, they don't have a cap. Per se. Right. Okay, the NFL's fifty three. They don't have a cap at college. For the Pac twelve, it is the number four out of the five conferences as far as what that fair market value of a single player is. Okay. This is from the all American quarterback all the way down to the red shirting fourth string linebacker. Okay. Okay. Everybody. Two hundred seventy-four thousand four hundred fifty-four dollars. That's the average net worth of a player of a, of a football player in the Pac-12 conference. Yes, for one year. Yes. That's regardless of school. That's yep. regardless of ability. Yep. It's that's the fair market value. Okay. So the All-American quarterback has the same fair market value as the fourth-string linebacker redshirting. Okay. According so, to this. so it's the it's the average. It's the average. Right. This is the average. So this is what they think. So for most schools, in fact, I think all schools, um, eh, maybe Stanford might, maybe Stanford, UCLA, USC might be up at the top, but but $274,000. That would average out in four years. In four years, that would average out to just under $70,000 a year. And we know that WSU and UW don't cost that much. And we know Oregon and Oregon State don't cost that much. Stanford, they're probably north of 50. Sure. USC's probably north of 50. Yeah. You know, UCLA might be north of 50. Cal's probably not. But Utah's not. Utah's not. And Colorado's not. Arizona schools aren't. Arizona schools aren't. So you're talking just under $70,000 a year. Now, how did they calculate that? My guess is they calculated it based on the television contracts. Ticket sales, all the revenue, Ticket huh? sales, the, the whatever radio deals, merchandise, everything else. That's what they calculated it on. They calculated based on what profit is coming in. Now, I'm sorry, but this is, where you, this is really where you lost me. <laughs> this is really where you lost me. Okay. Because the guy who's just practicing isn't worth $275,000 a year. Well, the star quarterback isn't either. Star quarterbacks are worth more than that. Yeah. You're right. Star quarterbacks are worth more than that. 
But the majority of the players on that team are not worth that. There are starters that aren't worth that. Okay. Yeah, there are starters that aren't worth that. That if not, that don't play to a level to command that on top of a scholarship, on top of everything else that goes with it. So it brings me back around to the, uh, for lack of a better term, the negotiation between the incoming college freshman, the high school star, and the university. Should it be an open contract negotiation? Should the star quarterback come in and say, I've seen this report and, you know, I'm a five-star recruit and you really want me, so my net worth is X. And you're either going to have to pay me that amount outright or give me university benefits that equal that amount. Is that what we're talking about here? But if the if the backup kicker is coming in and saying, you know, I want X and the university says, oh, no, 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 no. We'll give you our number. Take it or leave it. I mean, should there be negotiations like this for college players? That's the question. 547-1610-509-547-1610. So they go further and say the heart of the concern, and you're going to get the theme here quickly. The systemic racial injustices imposed by NCAA sports that disproportionately exploits black athletes physically, academically, and financially. Black athletes make up the majority of revenue sports rosters, but have the lowest graduation rates and are denied basic economic rights and freedoms. Um, What is an economic right and freedom, number one? And number two, could there be a larger issue with graduation rates than being given a scholarship to play football? Hmm. Is 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 because if, if that's the only thing that was tied to low graduation rates, well, first of all, why aren't you graduating? That's another issue all into itself to discuss. I mean, that's that's something investigation worthy. If there if those graduation rates are so low, why aren't you graduating? Mm-hmm. Now you know there's a percentage that leave early to go to professional sports, sure. to go play the NFLs, mm-hmm. and don't go back and get degrees. Right. So discount that percentage. Okay, don't lump that one in. Take that percentage out because went on, played in the NFL, decided to skip the last year and buy and, and forego the degree. What is a basic economic right and freedom? That's a good question. Because, again, we go back and there's not even really 10 freedoms in the Bill of Rights. I mean, they're, they're privileges, they're allowances. Are they, are they, are they all freedoms? You can argue the Bill of Rights are, are where most of your freedoms are, Second Amendment, Third Amendment, Fourth Amendment. Um, but but what is the basic economic right and freedom that is supposed to be provided for you? Because freedoms usually don't come with cash. You're up on the bottom line, News Radio 610 K. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Sparky Umatilla. Hold on to your socks, guys. What if we're not wearing any? Are you there? Yeah. What's up, Sparky? God bless, God bless you guys. I always did like college football better than pros. And the here I go again. These overpaid, uh, spoiled jocks that are out there running around. Hey, hey, do you remember about 10 or 15 years ago, they went on strike, and a bunch of walk-ons went on, and it was some lousy games, but there was some really good, interesting games. 
I'm ready. I'm ready for some new walk-ons. Okay, I'll let you go. Thanks for the call. Um, that was like 30 years ago. <laughs> Uh, the NFL strike where they had the replacement players. Baseball did the same thing in 95. They had replacement players as well. Um, but this is this is a whole different ball of wax here. This is completely different. This well, is... the, the genesis is the same. You know, the genesis is and has always been, no matter if you're talking professional or collegiate, now collegiate sports, is if the team that you play for and or the university, depending on if you're a pro or college, is making an exorbitant amount of money on you performing at a highest level. How much of that should, how much compensation should you get for that? I mean, look, it's any strike at the professional level, and now we're talking about something similar at the collegiate level, it it all comes down to that. How much should the players be compensated when the quote-unquote owners are making money sure. hand over fist. Some of this gets even more interesting as we'll dive into it after we go back to the phones. You're up on the bottom line, News Radio 610 K1A. Your name, where are you calling from? Hey, gentlemen, it's HVAC. What's going on? Not, cu- not, not cooking. Um, the, uh, I don't know, like uh, you're talking about the school athlete thing. It's what I'm hearing. So um, like I, I played sports in college. That's how I got my school paid for. I mean, I went to school for two years because uh, that's what I did. But, like, my personal opinion on that, coming from a guy who, who had this school paid for completely, 100%, didn't pay, I didn't pay a dang dime for me to go to school to learn anything I learned in college. And for me, like, you know, I mean, I know that the school technically made money because, you know, I played well and I scored points and all that good stuff, you know, and they are like, yeah, you know, he brings in people. But I got a free education. Like, I didn't have to pay for my education. Like, and I don't know, that's how I felt about it. I got a couple buddies that – went to school and played in like big schools, not like a junior college like I did, but had full rides at big schools, like big schools, Northern Illinois, all that kind of stuff, Ohio state. And they feel the exact same. You know, I'm a, I'm a Caucasian gentleman. My buddies that are, they are not Caucasian, they're black guys. And I'm telling you this, they, they feel the exact same way. They're like, you know, man, my school was paid for. Otherwise I would have paid for that myself. So I don't know. That's how I feel about the whole thing. So I just figured I'd Make some make some noise about it. Thank you, gentlemen. Appreciate the call. Always five four seven one six ten. If you want to get involved, here's the thing on on that, and and we touched on this not that long ago. Players, I think, for the most part, felt like, yeah, this is a fair trade. I'm getting a free education that's worth tens of thousands of dollars, and you know, I'm going to hopefully come out of this with an education, and I get to play the sport that I love, and maybe just maybe it leads to a professional career there are there are athletes now who believe that it is no longer worth it that the terms are not uh equitable let's go back to the phones you're up on the bottom line who's this where are you calling from hey this is chuck from west Richland. hi chuck what's going on well i I don't want to buy into the premise that we should pay them at all but if, if we're going to go on that premise because i don't believe they should be paid at all um i think there's one thing that we should should consider and that is we're not going to pay the football players um from one pot of money and the basketball players from another it's all going to go into one pool and everyone on the tennis team and the soccer team and the swim team etc they're all going to get the same amount and it's going to be broken down amongst all of those athletes additionally what happens when one gets injured um and i think that's something to be considered but the bigger point i was going to say is is when these guys go to these colleges 
they don't just pick the school that right now that, that gives them the best opportunity um, to, to be seen. They, they pick the best coaches, the people that are going to make them better, and, and that has a value as well. No question. No question. But again, we're seeing a, a, a group of athletes that are starting to emerge that are not satisfied with the things that used to be just fine in this equation. Let's go back to the phones. You're up on the bottom line. Who's this? Where are you calling from? This is Dan Prosser. And what's on your mind today? Hey, you know, I thought it was originally starting off that colleges spend a lot of money to have headhunters go find these kids that are in these no-place, you know, little high school, you know, football teams and offer them a free education in exchange for so when they when their football career is ended, they actually have something they can fall back on. Or if they're not as good as they think they are, they can actually get an education to use and give them a venue to actually prove their talents against somebody other than their old high school buddies that probably are as good or better than they are so that somebody from a professional league could actually find them and actually offer them this huge amount of money. I thought that's what it all was all about. Now they want they want somebody to pay for their high school. Makes no sense. Appreciate the call. Thank you so much. Five four seven one six ten is the number. Five zero nine five four seven one six ten. Here's where it gets more interesting. Okay. When it comes down to and, and the health and safety stuff, I can get allow the yeah. option not to play in the pandemic without losing eligibility or yes. spot on the roster. Yeah, I think that's oh, fair. Well, that's just fine. Then we get into Section 2, Protect All Sports. You might think, oh, this would be interesting. Preserve all existing sports by eliminating excessive expenditures. Okay, so let's keep in mind, most student-athletes, maybe three, four years. Some are there five, some are there less. This is These are their demands, okay? The, the rotating door, this is their demands. Larry Scott, administrators and coaches voluntarily and drastically reduce excessive pay. What, oh, okay. what, what would be excessive pay, number one? And number two, it tells me that they have no idea what they do. Because a coach doesn't just play, he's working year-round. Uh, two, well, and, maybe is it, is it coaches or is it oh, administrators? No, no, no. Coach, coaches, Larry Scott administrators and coaches oh, okay. voluntarily and drastically okay. reduce excessive pay. Well, define excessive pay. Two, end performance and academic bonuses. No, coaches get paid bonuses if the team does well. It's kind of how it works. And lavish facility expenditures and use some endowment funds to preserve all sports. Let me see. How many athletes would have chosen to go to a different school had the facilities been like working out in a dungeon? Most of them. So part of those facility expenditures got you to that school. You're up on the bottom line. News Radio 610K. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Laura from Kennewick. So I'm a former athlete, and I just want to bring this to our attention. So somebody who is a former teammate of mine is at the Olympic level. It makes it harder for those athletes that are training for um, the Olympics, per se, that were supposed to happen, that are going to happen next year, to be able to get in, like, for swimming, as an example, to get into that pool. Because you're going to find a lot of pools that are not open at this time. Yeah, no, certainly. No absolutely. No question about that whatsoever. They did put a caveat on number three, the one I just read. 
As an example, Stanford University should reinstate all sports discontinued by tapping in to their $27.7 billion endowment. Oh, that's awfully nice that you think you know that you should be able to tell them what they should do with their money. Speak your piece. Call 509-547-1610. More of The Bottom Line, presented by Summit Funding in Kennewick and Prosser on News Radio 610 KONA. Bottom line, News Radio 610 KONA, Monday afternoon. Contact the guys at Roof Max. Have them come out, take a look at your roof. Make sure that you've still got plenty of life left on it. And if you don't, they might be able to help you with that because their state of the art application that's been developed at Patel and at Ohio State University can give you another 5, 10, 15 years on the life of your current roof for 15 to 20% the cost of a new roof. Now, it may not work, may not be for you, but the guys at RoofMax will tell you that up front after you ask them to come out for a free estimate, a free quote. They'll take a look at your roof and let you know if that application will work for you. Contact RoofMax today, locally owned and operated. So there's another interesting piece here, Ed. This is where it gets even better. More this, demands. This, oh, this is where we get into. This is where we get into the to the socialism. I mean, we've mm. touched on the socialism part of this a little bit. Um, they want medical insurance selected by players for six years after their athletics eligibility ends. So they want medical oh. coverage. I mean, now imagine how much that's going to add up to. Okay, uh, <clears throat> here's an eyebrow raising one. They want 2% of conference revenue directed by players in partnership with conference to support financial aid for low-income black students. Low-income black students? Low-income black students. Not just low-income students. Low-income black students. So not low-income... Whether or not they're an athlete? Not low-income Latino students. Okay. Not low-income Hispanic Hispanic students. Not low-income Asian Mm. students. Not low-income Native American students. Not low-income white. Just low-income black students. Is that legal? Um, I believe that would probably be a federal law violation. Hmm. That would be a federal law violation. Hmm. Well, look. Because you can't provide financial aid to one group and not another group. We're talking mostly about football and basketball to some level. The sports where you can move on professionally to to some degree. And also the higher revenue generating sports. But there are a ton of other athletes mm-hmm. that are also busting their butt and literally sometimes for their sport that they love for their university the, that they that they made an agreement with that yeah. they're getting full ride scholarships to and have no way to be ever become professional um you know i m- myself included i i played uh, in college on the Gonzaga tennis team there was no way I was going to go pro. I mean, I wasn't that good, but I, you know, and, and I, and I didn't get any scholarship money for it either at that time. So there's plenty of athletes out there. I, I want to be careful that we're not lumping them all in no, together. No, we're, we're talking about college football athletes in the Pac-12 making these demands. Well, and some, I mean, as one of our callers earlier alluded to, there are some sports that athletes have the opportunity to go on and represent their country. Yeah, they can go and represent internationally. Sure. Um, you know, they can go on and, and between sponsors and things like that, you have an opportunity to, <laughs> you know, make a living as an amateur athlete. Well, I was going to say and, back when the Olympics were yeah. strictly amateur, then right. yeah, you would get, you know, the best collegiate volleyball players to right. play on the Olympic volleyball right. team or whatever, right? But but you know, you there there are options for some of those, but a lot of the sports that are, I mean, there's there's most colleges have two sports that make money. 
Most of the rest either barely break even, maybe slightly above, but a lot of them lose money. Yep. Because it's the diehards that follow, it's the diehards that support, and it's the other sports that wind up paying for it. Um, but this, this, you read this and you begin to look at it and go, you know, you have some positive points here, but most of what you have here is just another attempt to leverage a situation, make some outrageous demands that are not feasible, and try to create an atmosphere that will implode within, within a five-year period of time because the amount of money it will cost to meet some of these demands will overburden the system. They're striking while the iron's hot, proverbially, that everybody's talking about social justice, and they're going to jump in the fray, too, I guess. Unfortunately, some of those demands weren't thought through as well as they could have been. Hour number two coming up.